Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, with by the Luigi to my Mario. That's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I like green. I'm good with that. Yeah, Luigi's sweet, man. He can jump higher than Mario. You're taller than me, though, and I'm shorter and rounder. I think yeah. I'm Mario. All right, whatever. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the Bowser to our Luigi and Mario. Oh, that's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? You know, I'll take Bowser because he's respected. It's not like you call me a hammer bro <laughs> or a cheap cheap or anything. Them's, thems would be fighting with Also hey. on Super Mario RPG, the best Mario franchise, you team up with us. Nice. And also, I don't know if you know this, but I only own one amiibo, and it's Bowser in his wedding suit. So uh, <laughs> that's that's all I got for you. So, all right. Well, that's love. Seahawks fans, we're back again with another episode of Seahawks Nest, the Victory Lap Seahawks, where we successfully put the reverse jinx on our Seahawks. That's right. We all picked against the Seahawks, and we even went on to an Eagles podcast and picked against the Seahawks. That's right. That's called the successful reverse jinx. The last time this happened, well, the Seahawks went into went to went into New England and beat the Patriots. That's the kind of power we wield. Now, don't root for us to pick against the Seahawks every week because I think that that would be disrespecting the source of this power. That's right. We don't want to abuse it. It's like the uh, it's like Castle Grayskull. You can only use the power once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start about, let's start off with the with this Eagles game. Let's get in the Eagles review. The Seahawks were victorious against the Eagles, twenty-seven to ten. Uh, we all kind of um, we saw ways for the team to win. It's not like we were so down on it that we thought the team would just get crushed. Um, but none of us thought they were going to win by two touchdowns. Yeah, winning by no. two touchdowns is pretty nice. It's the 10-point victory. Let's just start off with the first play of the game. Okay, I think that a lot of things were made clear by that first play of the game. Seahawks come onto the field. They come out in the shotgun. And in, instantly in my head, I think, oh, damn it. They're going to do an inside handoff and just slam it straight into the line for two yards. We're back to, to this. Lazy special. Oh, this again. And you know what they do? They come out. They, they do the zone read. And Russell Wilson runs for eight yards. And I went, oh, they're back. This is the Seahawks we've been waiting for the whole year. It's like in uh, Major League Two Uh-oh. when uh, Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn comes out and he has the leather jacket oh, and, and the, the glasses again. And the asshole haircut. And the, yeah. and the fan starts heckling him, tells him to, to blow it out his ass, largemouth. And then, you know, the fan, oh my God. Oh my God, he's back. <laughs> it, I don't know if it was, it was quite that dramatic, but oh, it, it was. That it did set an early tone everyone will say you know scoring early set the tone for the game that first place set the tone for the except game. it was russell wilson so he's like go sit down naughty person yeah and he was like he was like hey graham not only are you going to kind of read this right but i'm going to run around you anyway because i'm just that fast and that talented um i was very impressed with that that particular play that brandon graham couldn't even keep up with him like he stopped he did dive in a little far he was he was in inside where he's supposed to be russell makes the read he Bops it outside and gets gets a bunch of yards. It was awesome to see. Uh, the Seahawks went straight down the field in that drive. It was a very, 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 a very good sign of things to come. It's a convincing drive. Um, so let's go to, to the second drive. We get we get out there and it was like it was like the team came back to what we expected. Uh, Fetty got beat on the right twice in this drive. Once for a run stuff and once for a um, a pass. Uh, uh, sorry, he had a lot of QB hit. That led to a, an incompletion. So we punt, and we we punt, and then we, they get the ball at the forty-six. And in my head, and I'm sure in your guys' head, I was thinking, uh, here we go again. We uh, we we the old offense came back. There's garbage punt. Now we're they got the ball in their own half of the field to start the drive. Like this this are there in our half of the field. It's just it's not going good. And what happens? The defense steps up. The player of the game, Frank Clark, makes a beautiful sack to end the to end this drive. And uh, I think that that was like a 
the de- the that was the defense making their statement. Like the f- offense made their statement with that zone read. The defense made their statement on that play on that drive. Well, you were talking about the first play of the game, Russell Wilson with the read option. I thought the first play for our defense was just as important, and I mean that in a Frank Clark kind of way. What did Frank Frank Clark do? He went around the defensive end. I'm sorry, the uh, the left tackle, and did not quite get to Carson Wentz. He got real close to getting him. He jawed with the left tackle, and after that. As Kevin likes to say, he ate his lunch frequently. That's fact. He had his way with him. And it was great because you could tell Frank Clark did the kind of Michael Bennett thing. He felt out the situation in that first play. And Frank Clark really thought he had him beat. And he was like, you know what? I just need to alter this a little, and I've got you beat. And he did it. You know, I want to go back and properly appreciate how much Jermaine Effetti pissed me the fuck off. (laughs) Uh, Dollar for swear jar. Don't care. Um, I'm on my, I'm beginning my quest today to be Twitter banned all, uh, making fun of Luke Wilson for dropping every pass. Um, but I only have to say facts about Jermaine Effetti. Why don't we just make, why don't we just make gifts of plays he failed on and just like make a super cut and just be like a Fetty fail of the day and just, there's going to be 365, so we can definitely get through a whole year. That's That's a fact. It's going to be a big old gift. Uh, so on that second drive. So, Afedi misses the block, um, allows the hit on the running back for a dead play to run stuff. Then, he proceeds to get a false start penalty to set us up with 15 yards to gain. Then, he allows the pressure that rushes the pass, that allows for the incompletion. Then on third down, oh yeah, we complete it for 11 yards, which would have been a first down... If he hadn't gotten the false start. If he hadn't screwed up on the uh, the previous, like, three yeah. plays. Jermaine Effetti, one-man drive killer. Yeah. It was a... That was so aggravating. It all left something to be desired, to say the least. Uh, so then uh, so then we, we do get a good drive going, though, uh, coming back here. And then they leave, they leave Jimmy Graham one-on-one on the outside and expect us not to be able to score in that situation, which is a... A huge mistake. Jimmy Graham is playing out of his mind right now. Uh, he's everything we wanted him to be from the first moment we got him. And it, you know why? Because we started using him as a wide receiver, right? He doesn't always just line up in line and block and do stupid stuff like that. Well, we're actually using him on, on offense. Uh, we know he's not a, a successful blocker. And early in the year, we had him only in for blocking as if to kind of set up like, hey, we're going to block with him sometimes. It didn't work. Well, and on that first drive, we actually did um, have yet another, or yeah, yet another running play where we tried to use the tight end as the lead blocker. That's still incredibly aggravating. But what we also had was 16 running back carries for Mike Davis. We legitimately ran a running back as a running back. Davis had 16 carries, and he had four yards per carry. He had 64 yards. He had a long of 22. He had a very respectable day running the ball. And that gets me excited for the future because this was against a stellar run defense. He was able to get some yards. And really with the way this year has been going against the defensive caliber of the Eagles, if you strip out that 22-yard run, if he had 15 for 42, that's still one of our better running days. A hair under three yards per carry, but all the carries are there. So with the rumors that Carson might be back, staring down the barrel of a competent run game, this is exciting. Yeah, I I um I was less excited about the way Davis ran the ball, if I'm being completely honest. I thought he was average or below average. I was more excited about what he did catch, catching the ball. 
Um, he had four receptions for runs. 37 yards, a couple big receptions, and he provided a great outlet for the offense that was, you know, let's be honest, they were under siege from the right side quite a bit because of the, you know, are the right side of our line just not as good as the left side by a significant margin? So we got attacked on that side, and I, I liked what Mike Davis did on the ground. My favorite Mike Davis thing in this game, every time he would uh, catch the get a catch, and then when he gets up after the catch, he slams the ball super hard in his hands like he wishes that he would have got like a, a touchdown. That shit cracks me up. I love that stuff. Well, I, I yes. feel like I'm going to split the difference here. I was, I was impressed with how well-rounded Mike Davis was um, and the fact that he played after, <laughs> I don't know, his debut had me thinking, oh, one and done. That sucks. But I really liked, like you said, he caught the ball. He ran average. Honestly, that's way better than Andy Lacey's been. That's what Thomas Rawls is going to do if he if he could you know, stand up to the, to the 16, 18 carries a game. Uh, McKissick's not going to do that. I'm not asking for Sean Alexander or Marshawn Lynch. That would be great. Uh, Marshawn Lynch over Sean Alexander any day. But I feel like... We have a running game, and that's something we have not had since Chris Carson got hurt. Mike yeah. Davis is a competent rotation running back. Like, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I want him to be on the team next year. I don't want Eddie Lacy to be on the team next year. Like, I at this rate, I don't want Thomas Rawls either. Yeah, I'm I'm done with Thomas Rawls. That experiment has, I guess, just doesn't didn't work. But I like Mike Davis. He's small. You know, he's five nine. He's he's not huge. Uh, but he catches the ball really well. He runs good enough. And he can make a nice cut. Um, I would, he can be sudden sometimes. I'd be more than happy with him if, you know, uh, CJ Process can't stay on the field, which seems to be the case. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so then we go deeper into the game. The The Eagles went, went for it on fourth down a couple times and, and failed both times. And those are big plays for a defense. Like, on the, on the first time they went for it on fourth down, KJ blitzed in uh on fourth and three and then they they uh he got right in the face of Wentz and he had to just overthrow the wide receiver didn't have time for the play to develop and that wasn't the only time we brought an unconventional blitz this offense doesn't blitz often but they did it a couple times in this game and every time they did it it was effective that coleman blitz for the sack uh the kj blitz on fourth and three i was excited to see us get a little creative because to be honest the defensive line has been good especially against the run but they have had trouble generating pressure with only four guys so it was nice finishing pressure it was nice to see them like hey let's go ahead and mix it up a little bit to see if we can create some turnovers and create some sacks and uh well they they did uh sheldon sheldon richardson also like play player of the game other player of the game i guess since i already gave that to frank clark but that strip uh going into the end zone where you just got the big paw out there and just smashed smashed it out of uh wentz's hand that was nice i like how everyone in that involved in that play was on top of that uh early before the podcast kevin mentioned how you know frank clark wrapped him up around the legs sheldon richardson came in and basically you know wrapped his as nathan said his paw around the ball and then just let the weight carry it to the ground uh, and Earl came across the other side as if to do his chop that he likes to do. Uh, wasn't needed in the situation, but everyone was cued in on yeah, that everyone ball was at ready, that yeah. time. That swarming defense. Exactly. And and not how other teams, like uh, the, our upcoming opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars, like to emulate us, but they do not. They swarm, but they don't execute at the end like we do. And one thing, too, is a lot of people, will, uh, Philadelphia fans, I've, I went, I've delved into what Philadelphia fans think about this game because I'm a crazy person. And uh, they they really feel like the refing refereeing in this game was not good. And I will admit that several of the um, <laughs> several of the calls seem to go against it. But I mean, this, those holds and 
and pass interference. I mean, those were penalties. Like, I don't know what to say. I mean, you can get salty about it if you want, but they were bad penalties. And then everyone won't shut up about this lateral. I mean, that was a lateral in rugby. And I, it's in real time, it's really hard to tell. And it was hard to tell on the replay. So I don't really understand why they're so salty that the refs didn't catch it in real time. Uh, I'd be more salty at your coach that didn't decided not to challenge that play. And And who also wasted a challenge on a fourth down he was going to go for anyway. Yeah, good call, Kevin. Uh, the other thing is, I want to bring this up. Just, I, I don't feel like I should have to defend it, but something that bothers me, Al Michaels was harping on that forward lateral. Al Michaels was not handling that play very well. If you look, he was going, see the pitch here, and the ball's still in Russ's hand. Yeah. It was closer than he was making it sound on it, his it analysis. Was less, it was less than a yard. It was, he threw it from between the 47 and the 48, and... Uh, Davis caught it before the 48. But it was it, 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 it was the Music City it Miracle. It could have been a forward a pass, range, yeah. but I, I'm not convinced that replay would have overturned it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. That's the thing. It's like it wasn't super definitive or anything. Uh, one thing I'll say is Philadelphia did have success moving the ball. They had 25 first downs in this game. Um, it was a gr- good defensive performance. but Aguilar put on a clinic, I wouldn't, 141 yards. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't go crazy over this one or anything. Like They were forced to press at the end. Uh, they made some, and they made some mistakes that we forced them into. Uh, I'd like to see this defense continue to kind of come together after a performance like this and keep getting better. Because, like Kevin just said, Aguilar had a a day against our cornerbacks. Uh, seven receptions, 141 yards, mostly working against Maxwell. Yeah, and Maxwell was uh, disappointing to say the least. I can't. Uh, I I don't know how we can get him off the field though. At this point, like I'm, there's just we don't really have a lot of options. I'm not like as disappointed in Maxwell as you guys are. He didn't have a good game at all. But in the end, he shut down one touchdown that I appreciate. I'm looking for bright spots for Maxwell, and also I don't know. He's he's kind of asked to be. He's on Richard Richard Sherman's side of the field, which makes him the number one cornerback, even if he's not by talent. And Shaq Griffin has a lot of learning to do, but Shaq. We'll go into him in a second. He impressed us. But I felt like Byron Maxwell in his – he got – this was like his traction game. He had his his feet wet game, and now this is his traction game. If the belief is you can only get a little better from here, this is enough, and this is what I expect from Byron Maxwell. And I so I wasn't disappointed. I just felt like you made some plays. You didn't make other plays, but it's all right. I think Nathan hit the nail on the head here. The big thing is – having Maxwell slots Shaq Griffin and Coleman into the correct spot. And that is what Maxwell is really doing for this defense is allowing everyone else to play where they need to play. And yeah, he's not having a great game there and you probably will not have a great season there, but he is just good enough that the team doesn't have to play around with moving other people out of position. One one more thing. Uh, we haven't really talked about Carson Wentz. Before this game and all season, we talk about how inaccurate Carson Wentz is. In our fantasy league, we talk about how how inaccurate he is. In the podcast for the uh, Birds Review last week, I talked about how inaccurate he is. I felt this game, there were times where he looked crazy accurate. I was impressed at times with Carson Wentz. He throws better on the run than he does from a clean pocket. It is... Weird and but, infuriating. But the thing is, his passes under pressure in pocket are like is like really bad. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league in terms of like completion percentage while under pressure. Yeah, he needs to throw on like boots. 
boot action, yeah. he had a couple of yes. just absolute dimes. But then first but quarter, like, but let's, coming? But let's, he absolutely but let's be airmailed honest. it over Aguilar that, for what should have been a touchdown. That throw he made where Maxwell got, uh, where it was like he he was in like a weird part of the zone where Maxwell was like a little bit too sucked in and he was falling over while he made the throw. Okay, for one, that throw is otherworldly. Like he's making a crazy throw, but Ma- Maxwell should have intercepted that pass. He's way too far in for no reason. They don't need Maxwell to come up and help make the tackle, and he's like he's not defending the player anymore. It's like a mistake by Maxwell. It's not a, it's not a, uh, it's it's a good play by Wentz, but it honestly should have been a pick. Like it's cr- that play was crazy to me. I don't know. Uh, and you know, there's just no rhyme or reason to the passes that he missed too. Like I mean, he he had like I think. One, two, three, four, four, five incompletions on short passes to the left, and he had two incompletions on short passes to the right, and a bunch of complete. Like he incompleted all these short passes. I don't know. I just don't. I don't trust him totally. Uh, he's second year player. He he came from a D two school, so it's hard to know what he is before he even gets to the NFL. Uh, and yeah, I just I still think he's just okay, uh, which is fine. Back. It's a good place to. It's a good place to be. The fifteenth best quarterback in the NFL. That's a nice spot to be in. Uh, in terms of your future earning potential. Yeah. Just ask Matt Stafford. <laughs> uh, to bounce back to the offense real quick, something I forgot to, t- uh, to touch on. Um, Nick Vanette had himself a really nice day. There's uh, a type of play that was being called that was running uh, multiple routes at different levels. Um, so it was designed for Russ to be moving. Um, usually to the right was how we were doing it. So uh, he slides to the right with protection, and uh, you'd have either Graham or maybe another wide receiver kind of running underneath, and then Vanette was running over the top in a parallel route. Yeah, Uh, He had a nice completion for that on one of the early drives. There were a couple of really nice completions on that route combination. Uh, Vanette's taken over the Luke Wilson role very nicely. That's a trend that I appreciate and look forward to seeing continue. That's what we thought would happen, what we'd hoped would happen. And Luke Wilson still has a job right now, so I feel like everybody wins. Well, and it's uh, for next year, that's a couple million dollars. They won't have to pay Luke Wilson. And we talked about the cap situation. Um, all right. So, uh, okay. So then, that I don't know. Okay, one more thing. I don't know the note here. Uh, when they put that linebacker on McKissick on the touchdown play, oh, and he made a double move, I was like, you can't put a linebacker on McKissick. He's going to make wide receiver moves and make that guy look dumb. And then he did. Like, <laughs> he just did exactly what I thought he would do. It's like, why would, why, why was, what were the Eagles thinking on this play? I, I was very confused by it. But that was a, that was a nice, it was a nice double move by him uh, to get by. And is easy, easy, that's easy money for JD McKissick. That's exactly how we should use him. Yeah. To, to kind of trick a defense into a bad matchup. Yeah, that was that was easy. If if however far was between McKissick and the end zone, that was how far McKissick was going to run with the ball. Like oh. if that if that exact play would have happened on the twenty, um, on like our on like our own twenty, he would have had an eighty yard touchdown. Like he he was just so open. Another thing too is however much you like Russell Wilson, you should like him about a thousand times more than. He there no other quarterback could make this team work. Uh, the fact that I don't know twenty percent of the snaps he's just instantly running away from from a guy, and he still manages to either create a positive offense or or just a, a no gain is incredible. It's the consistency with which he's able to do that. I don't understand how 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 this team has functioned like this for so long. But I still want him to get rid of the ball sooner at times instead of just 
running backwards, although the right side of our line was harassed so vehemently that there were times he had no choice but to just run 20 yards backwards immediately. Yeah, there were a couple of bad jailbreaks. Um, So flipping over to defense real quickly, you talk about kind of some big numbers. Uh, I just want to bring up, again, uh, three sacks, 12 QB hits, Mm -hmm. seven passes defensed, eight tackles for a loss. Bobby Wagner had two and a half tackles for a loss. We haven't talked about Bobby Wagner yet today. I just wanted to make the podcast note, the weekly note. Bobby Wagner, still Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, still awesome. Uh, I mean, there's a chance he gets it. Frank, still best linebacker. And in Frank football. Clark, we already talked about him, but I mean, he had he had uh, two sacks a hit and five hurries, so like seven or eight total pressures on 39 snaps, and most of those were against a guy who had allowed 10 total pressures the whole season coming into the game. Uh, so yeah, um, that's that's good. That's a good that's a good stat for you uh, stat heads that want to know how good Frank Clark was. Um, Sheldon Richardson had eight total pressures as well. Um, he's my guy. He also had two run stops. I can't imagine what I my world without Sheldon Richardson at this point. Um, it's, it's we need to make the money he's, available. He's so good. Um, I don't know how that we make that money available. If it's it might be through a uh, it might be through a member of the Legion of Boom leaving like uh, Richard Sherman or Cam Chancellor. That's probably how we can make it work. But however we can make it work, I think it's worth it. The guy is he's a very special football player. There, and he's not old yet. There are very few guys who are doing what he's doing in the NFL. And Kevin's right. He's he's uh what twenty seven? I think. Yeah, yeah. he'll be twenty eight. So that's I think that that. I think that four years of getting really good him, play left. Getting him to come back should be number one on our our hit list of uh, things to do in this off season. Uh, that's uh, well, that's that's how I feel about that. Um, I love I love Bradley McDougal. That's my other thing. Um, the guy's way good. He had one bad penalty on a really early drive, and then spent the rest of the game crushing it. Yeah, and he. Uh, I don't know. I think that Bradley McDougal. There's a chance Bradley McDougal is is a is a, he's a kind of a he's just a really good football player, and uh, I'm not I'm not sure how he fits in in the future. If this is just a one and done thing, or if we're just going to get to enjoy him for this playoff run and that's it. But uh, enjoy the ride because I think he's you know he's definitely holding his own in the back end of that defense. He will be starting somewhere next year. He deserves a starting job. Uh, Eric, is there any defensive players? This- oh, uh, did the did you get, did you notice any Quentin Jefferson or Brandon Jackson on the inside? They were both pretty good too on the limited snaps they played. Yeah, they played uh, solid rotation. I like those uh, those rotation guys. Um, Jackson showed up more for me on the tape. I like thought he was actually surprisingly decent for a guy who hasn't really played much at all this year um, for anyone. Right? Like, yeah, he's played like a little bit in the last game, but I, I thought he was great. And it felt like a honestly just a well rounded team win. I mean, KJ Wright. KJ Wright, that's KJ Wright was KJ Wright. Uh-huh. I felt like uh, Shaq Griffin. Uh, we talked about this before the podcast, but uh, this young man is growing into a talent, and I don't think he's going to be Sherman level. But I feel like he is going to be. Uh, well, what's the next step down, Kevin? Uh, Desmond Trufant, but better. Um, yeah, he's going to be like uh, he's not going to be a top three corner, but he'll be like about the tenth best corner in football. Yeah, I I think maybe a little higher even. I I like him a lot, and he fits into our style, and he hits hard. Uh, not not as hard as like Brandon Browner, but he lays solid hits and lets people like Alshon Jeffrey, you know, think twice before they start dancing on the sideline. Go back and watch Richard Sherman's rookie year. He made some mistakes in coverage, 
they they do not look dissimilar. Yeah, they're just uh, their body types different. But yeah, good game, best game, better game. All right, so uh, are we ready to move on to Jacksonville? Hit the preview. Um, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Nathan's uh, having a real hard time talking about Jacksonville. Sure, because I hate him so much. They're like, just they're uh, his favorite quarterback, Blake Bortles. What is this team? That's uh, the problem I have. Is their defense is awesome, but they I don't think they do anything else exceptionally well. Um, even this like this vaunted run offense that people won't shut up about, I don't think is like it really. It's it's fine. Well, let's look at real. They're quick. like a real medium rush offense. Look at the teams they've played. Look at the teams they play. First of all, they're in the AFC South, so you go up against the Colts, who are awful on defense. You go up against the Titans, who we've talked about on this podcast, and the Quick Shot as being a paper tiger. The a, Browns, a team that is really bad. The Browns, the Browns are the best team in football. If you look at the worst team first, um, they oh they 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 beat the Chargers in the most inexplicable game I've ever watched all the way through. Uh, that was the weirdest game. They tried so hard to give that game away to the Chargers, and the Chargers' bad karma just would not allow it. A J.J. Wattless Texans team? Well, they lost to, the, lost to the Jets in OT. Like, How do you feel about that? Yeah. yeah. Eric, Eric yeah. you love the Jets. Well, I, I do believe that they are worth six to seven wins this year. So, uh, I mean, this team is... It's a real weird football team. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. Whereas the Eagles came in, and we didn't know the team we'd be facing, and they lost to us at home, and it kind of like puts us above... And the Eagles have to say, like, oh, man, we, we fought a really good team we lost. What does this say about us now? Uh, maybe we have to reevaluate. The Jaguars have a completely different issue. They have not played any good team. They've beat bad teams. They've lost to bad teams. Who is this team? We're about to find out this week. Well, and the, here's the thing about Jacksonville, okay, and this is the thing that worries about me, is they are so good against the pass this year. Uh, they have really good pass rush. They have very, very, very good defensive backs. Um, not not really any type of receiver has been very successful against them. Uh, no wide number one receivers, number two receivers, tight ends, running backs. They're in the top fifteen in everything, and the top one in some of these categories. Uh, I worry about us because this is a uh, us moving the ball because the they're really good at stopping what we do, which is pass on every play and only run if we have to. <laughs> yeah, the only run enough to keep the other team honest. So that worries me. Uh, Clay Campbell knows what we're bringing to the table too. There's a guy who's seen the Seahawks twice a year for many years. The they they just they know what they know what's coming, right? They're aware. Um, they're not that good against the rush, actually. They're surprisingly mediocre against the rush. So if we can unleash the read option in this game, this is a very winnable game for the Seahawks. And if we do unleash the read option, that's going to tamp down their pass rush. Um, do we know if uh, Jalen if Jalen Ramsey's playing? He had the hand injury. Because uh, if Ramsey's not playing, or if he's not going to be hundred percent, that's also not going to bode well. I'll for be them. honest; I have not looked at any injury report for the Jaguars at all. Now he played; he played last week uh, okay. against the Cardinals, uh, even though he said he wouldn't play, and then he did play. So that once again goes to show you you can't trust him. Uh, the bad dude. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he wouldn't play. He's bad. But. He, but I mean, he told he thought like I'm not gonna be able to play, and then all of a sudden he's like, just it got better. And then um, another thing too is Larry Fitzgerald. He gave him a comment. He said Jalen Ramsey with one hand is better than 95 percent of the quarterbacks in the league. And I agree. This guy blows up the tape, man. He's so good. And oh, yeah. then they have AJ Bouye on the other side, who's like also awesome. 
So it's real nuts how good their cornerbacks are. They are. It's uh, weird. They uh, they brought Gus Bradley in a few years ago to take the Seahawks defense and build it in Jacksonville and be the head coach. And Gus Bradley couldn't do it. But he brought in pieces. They worked the salary cap so that they had all the salary cap. And they slowly started getting some guys on defense, usually old veterans. They bring in a new coaching staff this year. And they make like four splashy signings four, this year. Four big moves that complemented, I should say, put over the top a complementary defense mm-hmm. to the players. And it was really a genius way of doing things. And I feel like it kind of fell in their lap with the draft class this year. But still, not every team could take advantage of that. And kudos to the Jaguars for doing that. Well, and good for them because it's going to allow them to reach up and pluck a playoff spot in a down AFC, which this franchise needed. And this is all with Blake Bortles at quarterback. Nathan? Yeah. I just I said Bortles. I thought you were just going to go off I mean, for 30 just, minutes. Okay. You what, love the man. What can I say about Blake Bortles that hasn't already been said? About the uh, Blake Iraq. Bortles has negative 2.4 VOA. He's 17th in the league in QBR. He's... That's middle of the road. 17th? Come on. 17th? That's not good. That's It's middle uh, of the pack, Blake though. Bortles is an inaccurate passer, completing only 59.9% of his passes. There he throws go. a lot of interceptions. He's this year, this year he has... I'm going to put this in scare quotes. You guys ready for this? This year, he has only eight so far, which sounds like a lot. You're like, man, eight. That's way more than Russ Wilson. You're correct. But eight isn't very much when you're Blake Bortles and your career, you've had over 15... 16, 17, or 18 interceptions in each of your first three years in the NFL. His interception percentage is 0.7 below his career average this year, and that is not sustainable. Uh, that's going to come back to earth this week. If he they if they force him to throw at all, he is going to throw an interception or two to the Seahawks defense. Now, this is the stat line I wanted from Nathan. Uh, when After I said middle of the road, you went off on all the evil, evil bad stats for Bortles. And this is great because what did they do last week? They unleashed Blake Bortles. But they've been key unleashed, exactly. Against <laughs> the Colts. But what I'm saying is all year they've kind of... Easily kept, his best game of the season. They've kept him in the stable and not as in like he's a really good horse, but in he's a horse that's going to throw a bunch of... They one loss where he threw it like 40 They times. didn't yeah. just take He's away. a horse that's going to throw a bunch of interceptions. If, if the Jaguars offense is a car, they didn't just take the keys away from Blake Bortles. They like hid the keys in like... They threw the keys into a lake and they said like, you are never getting these again. They put like, it on cinder done. blocks and took the wheels off the car. Right, exactly. Like they were like, you are not driving this car. And then... Yeah, now I'm supposed to get excited about Bortles when last week he did that against Indianapolis. I mean, he, I don't, I don't trust Bortles at all. I never will. Um, I didn't think he was great in college. I thought he was a good athlete that played on a, a mid-major team that got kind of super overrated because he's six foot five and he can run fast. I Th- thought that- those are things that are true about Bortles, but his career, uh, he's in his career, he's averaged six point six yards per attempt, which is very below it's average. It's not good. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't. You know, scout the college quarterbacks or the college players like you do. But I thought he was like going to be a decent quarterback who would be the third quarterback taken in the draft, maybe the fourth, and then Jacksonville plucks him with the number one pick. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah pluck him with yeah. a big first round pick, and the thing with that is, if yeah. he'd have landed on like Andy Reid's team, yeah, he he'd might, have had a shot. He might be. It, if he'd been with a quarterback whisperer. The physical tools were there. It's possible he'd have been like a 62% completion I feel like I've thrown out a bunch of stats, but I haven't given much context like to tell people to who to compare to. So can I give a few comparisons to our to our quarterback so people Let's can hear get that. an idea? So Blake Bortles is entering his fourth season while Russell Wilson's entering his sixth. But we're just going to use his career average. So interception percentage. That is the percentage of throws you throw for an interception. Russell Wilson, 1.9%. Blake Bortles, 2.8%. Okay, so about 1% more of his throws 
all-time gopher interceptions. That's including his great season this year. Put that in quotes. Uh, his yard, Russell Wilson's yards per attempt, 7.9. Blake Bortles' yards per attempt, 6.6. He just, and the stats are just like this. Like, everything's, he's just not that good. I mean, and comparing Russell Wilson, maybe he's not fair, because I think Russell Wilson's, you know, the third best quarterback in the league, maybe the fourth best quarterback in the league. But, I don't know, you got to compare him to someone. I'm just trying to add context for you guys. Blake Bortles, not good. Okay, that's that's I cannot stress this enough. And you know, we talked about this on the last podcast. Uh, matchup make matchups make football games, and you're looking at a Seahawks team that knows how to load up and stop the run. So this team, Pete Carroll, wants to take away what you like. A good NFL coach wants to take away what you want to do, and if you take away the run game. And put the ball in Bortles' hands and say, Bortles, you got to come beat us. Man, Earl Thomas might score enough points in this game alone to beat him. <laughs> okay, and Kevin, you're you're hitting on something here, which is like, they're going to ask Leonard Fournette to beat us in this game. Um, Leonard Fournette, in terms of su- successful run rate, which is a stat that Football Outsiders tracks that tells us how many runs they have are a success. There are, of the runners that are in the top 10 in the league, or no, top 12, sorry, top 12 in the league, only two have a rate of success rate lower than 45%. That's Leonard Fournette and Jared and Howard. And do you know what those two players have in common? They are the only good player on their respective offenses. Yep. Uh, the, the, the other teams, Everyone knows it's coming. Other teams don't respect the other parts of their offense. And so it makes these offenses incredibly one-dimensional. And this is the problem Jacksonville's going to run into against the Seahawks, is that when you're one-dimensional against the Seahawks, it's a recipe for disaster. And this team has a really hard time not being one-dimensional. And they're going to rely on their defense to keep them in the game. And I think they will be able to keep them in the game, but not enough. It's not going to be enough. An interception for a touchdown or a really short field is going to lead to a Seahawks, a very, very close Seahawks win for me. Uh, is there any other uh, stats and, and uh, I was interesting things you want to touch on? Talk about like uh, what do you think about their receiving game at all? Like their tight ends. I mean, beyond Justin Blackman and Jimmy Smith, those guys are still playing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Justin Blackman. Isn't I think he? Justin Blackman did play at any point. Yeah, actually, he's still he on the. A, he's still property of the Jaguars. He has not played since 2013. In oh, order they, to get that joke, yep. I had to look up his name. So that's how I know that. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, but uh, they have a, a decent tight end. And that's Mercedes Lewis, uh, who's kind of having a bit of a career resurgent, resurgence. And, you know, uh, Diddy Westbrooks is finally healthy. He's like a, a fast, big play threat. Marquise yeah, Lee's Mar- delivering on some promise. Marquise Lee is Marquise Lee is a good number two wide receiver. Uh, Alan Hearns is a good number two wide receiver. That's a great point, Nathan. That's uh, really, no, I mean, Juju, it's funny. Or, not Juju Smith-Schuster, sorry. Uh, Diddy Westbrook. Uh, Diddy Westbrook is probably a good slot. Wide receiver, like they don't. Well, he's an outside receiver. He's, they are they are missing Allen Robinson. Yep. In that pass game, uh, he brought something to the table that they can't really replace, which is that he's like a true blue, like blue chipper, number one wide receiver, and it's hard to just those don't just grow on trees. Marquise Lee is the next best thing they have in terms of a possessions receiver. Yeah. The other guys are more of a play threat. Like Allen Hearns will give you like fifteen yards on a catch. Uh, Westbrook's gonna like. Uh, flash downfield and try and make a long play. You can't throw it. You can't just throw it in the direction of either of these guys, though, and hope they do something good like you can with Hearns. Hearns is like a Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Robinson, Antonio yeah. Brown. Allen Robinson is like in that category of like supreme talents that you can just kind of throw it in their general direction and hope for the best. Like those guys just don't grow on trees. Like I think even Sammy Watkins is like that. You know, I know Sammy Watkins isn't putting in like 
crazy numbers this year, but he's, he's a big play. His catch radius is amazing. Like he just he does a lot of those little things, and that's what kind of wide receiver they're missing. Uh, you know who on our team is like that? Doug Paul Bowman? Richardson. To yeah. be honest with you, this season Paul Richardson oh, has, been, radius, has yeah. been an incredible catch radius threat. Where Russell Wilson knows if he throws it towards Paul Richardson, Paul Richardson is gonna make a play happen, and that's kind of added up over the season. Paul Richardson is now 13th in the league in DYAR, the derived yards above uh, average performance. Uh, he's created an excellent VOA, one of the best in the league. He's caught 60 passes for 592 yards. He's on track to get close to a 1,000-yard season, which in our offense is incredibly difficult. So I think that that is really, really, really impressive. And if you look at the last game against the Eagles, what really was on display there were the pass interference penalties that he was drawing because he Makes made it. the cornerback out of position. Sorry, I dropped my water bottle. That's going to be fun for the listeners with headphones. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he put the cornerback out of position, and he forced the corner to go back through him or try and out-physical him for the ball. Like uh, like you said, Richardson's got that great catch radius. He knows how to high point a ball, yep. and he knows how to position himself in a way right. to screen it. Richards, Richardson's drawn three DPIs this year for 47 yards, uh, which is pretty great. Um, only... I think only nine players have drawn three or more the whole season. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Only eight players have drawn three or more defensive pass interferences this season. Uh, oh, nine. Demarius Thomas is way down here on the bottom of this list because his team sucks. Because he has no quarterback. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how you can play receiver with no one throwing it to you. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, sorry sorry uh, Demarius. Uh, hey, DeAndre Hopkins, man, ten pass interferences for under forty nine yards. That guy's a beast. Yeah. All right, anyway, he's getting the calls. Before we go into picks, Nathan, could you give us the old best case, worst case scenario? Sure. The worst case scenario for the Seahawks in this game is that their defense is a bad matchup for us, and I actually do tend to, I tend to hold this belief. Their defense is a bad matchup for us to the point where we actually cannot get anything going. We don't score any points on a offense, and we lose to them like thirteen to six. Like because Ugh. we just don't get anything done, and Jacksonville has won games in this way this year, so it's it's not out of the question that this is something that can happen. Uh, Jacksonville beat the Browns nineteen to seven. Jack uh, Jacksonville beat the Jag our Chargers twenty to seventeen in overtime. Like they they have had games like this where that just got that just got ugly, but. The Rams came into this very stadium and beat the Jaguars twenty-seven to seventeen, which gives me a lot of confidence. And maybe that's misguided. Maybe I'm I'm off on that. But the fact that you know they came in here and Todd Gurley ran for like five yards a carry and they just ran over the Jaguars like that. Um, I think our defense can do better than the Rams' defense did. I think the Rams have shown at this point in the year that they're like a slightly above average defense, but not a great one. Uh, Aaron Donald is obviously otherworldly good, but the rest of the defense doesn't do a whole lot for me. And our defense is, is playing good and is good. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. I really like the Seahawks' best case, which is that the defense creates some short fields. We get a pick six uh, or another similar toxic differential style play. The offense does just enough to score 14 points, but with combined with the short fields and the defensive points, we win like 28 to 17. All right, Eric, who do you like? All right, I like uh, I like the Seahawks here. And I like him by a score of 17 to 12. I think the pass rush in this game, again, I'm sorry, the Jacksonville Jaguar pass rush is going to give us fits all day. I expect Russ to probably have a fumble. Uh, I expect a defensive touchdown. I expect, uh, you know, a big play somewhere by one of their receivers, probably Marquise Lee. 
um, maybe not a touchdown, just because there will be times where Blake Bortles is racking up yards on us via his legs. I think that they're going to try and beat us with the run option. But 17-12 Seahawks, it means that the game's going to be close, but ultimately out of reach for a Jaguars team that is going to be forced to score a touchdown, and that's going to be really hard for them. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with a sim- uh, more similar situation to what Eric's talking about. I think that turnover is going to be key. I think our defense is going to mostly shut them down. They'll get a couple of big plays on like busted coverages by Maxwell or something along those lines in the passing game. But they're also going to get burned by Bortles' arm a few times. Um, I'm going with 20-9. to nine. Seahawks. All right, and um, I'm going to give you guys a stat that I think Matt might matter in this game. Seattle with and without Dwayne Brown. Our deep deep pass DVOA is uh, 20th in the league without him and 8th in the league with him. I don't know, actually, that the pressure is that much better since Dwayne Brown got here, but Russell believes in it more, and that seems to matter. Uh, I like us to win this game uh, 24 to 20. All right, so that's it. That's us That's us on the, on the Jags. Uh yeah. All right, Eric, uh, Kevin, take us to the money zone. How can you support the Seahawks Nest podcast? Well, you can go to Seahawks. You can go to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest, where you can hook us up with just a little bit of money. Um, you can help finance this operation, paying for podcasting equipment that we are using, paying for giveaways that we are planning, um, and also allowing us to unlock some of the content that allows us to do the analysis that we do for this podcast. So anything that you Donate towards us goes directly back into the product that we are putting in your eardrums as I speak. Um, if you cannot support us financially, you can support us emotionally, spiritually. You can Tacitly. you can feed you can feed Kevin's soul. Uh, d- tweet us, won't you? Tweet us, won't you? We are on Twitter as the Seahawks Nest. We are on Facebook.com/slash the Seahawks Nest. Yes, I believe there's a the there. Yeah, the, the, the. Um, correct. Like the Facebook, we kept the the. That's right. You can give us five star reviews on whatever service that you listen to podcasts on to help give us that little bit of extra exposure and interact with us. You know, post something on our Facebook page. Talk to us. Um, Augustine can be the only one. I mean, he is not the only one, but he's the most frequent one. He's by a, far he's my fa- he's my favorite because he he messages us almost every week which yeah, is he, he's all of our favorite because like every mother we just want our son to call us right. once a week and let us know he's alive but we get people who uh you know we like to we like to defend our arguments and let's, or if you think we've we've said the wrong thing or we've done the wrong movie or hey you don't know what you're talking about with blake bortles nathan then you know, uh, go ahead and call us out on it. Yeah. We, uh, By the way, me, to address we're not going to just shut you up. We did Bortles spend time on the room that last week. Person who did not like that we spent time on the room last yeah, week. Well, but you know what? You know, this is art, and art's subjective, that's, and that's and why we did. And it. as Nathan always says, that's, that's the idea. That's why we put it at the end. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is why we put it at the end, though. That's the idea. Uh, so that's the idea. To, you can turn it off as soon as you hear me say, well, "Let's talk about the room." You can go. Oh, I didn't like the room. What? That's the point of the room not we're su- not gonna have hidden football content you're not, after this you're not supposed to on like purpose. it i do want to uh address one football related thing though in this at this point this is for people who oh. held on uh augustine treat, asked treat. a specific question you reminded me about it he asked us about like pre-snap reads and how russell uh uses them to try to read the defense and every every quarterback does this they'll motion guys and watch where people go to try to figure out where 
uh, where people are or what the, what the kind of defense if is it's in. zone or if it's if man it's zone, or if it's what man, the combination if, if is different combinations where like the pressure is coming from and so that will allow um, that allows the quarterback to to audible to different plays so I I um, didn't address it directly but uh, if you if you want me to make a, a short video about it on patreon I'll probably do that in the next couple of weeks because it is actually an interesting thing um, I'll probably do it with mostly Patriots clips. Sorry, because Tom Brady's the king of doing that, and it's really easy to find place where Tom Brady does this stuff. He does it on almost every play. So I could just watch like four Patriots offensive plays and come up with enough for a YouTube video. Uh, every quarterback does it, but no one makes it as obvious as uh, as Tom Brady does. It's like everyone knows what he's doing. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, so that's that. Uh, all right. So now we're gonna we're gonna go into our uh, our Seahawks nest. Uh, movie club, uh, which I have not thought about all week. Um, my brain was in full-on Seahawks versus Eagles mode. So I'm going to go to the old spreadsheet uh, and look up what movies we haven't talked about yet. Um, I just want to talk you about... For, thank you for not pausing it and uh, just nope. stream of consciousness. Yeah. This is this is what people love about this, this is, podcast. This is a, this is a high-quality, uh, expensive... Uh, production where I think that people have an expectation that it won't be very good, and so I want to meet that expectation. Does that make sense? Like I want it to be well. If you yeah, bring the, the public access radio, if you're element. not going to have Nathan eating during the podcast, you will have him digesting during the podcast. So you get one or the other. <laughs> yeah, you get one of the one of one of the other. Yeah, exactly. Cat, you nailed nailed it nailed it. All right, uh, let's. Uh, we did first blood. I can take this off the spreadsheet. Okay, uh, let's um. Let's go to man. This is tough. This is there's so many good movies on this list. I wish that I could post this on Twitter and let people tell me what movies they want us to talk about, so that people will stop getting mad about the movies that I pick. Does that <laughs> make sense? It's like, but it's since like, I run the Twitter, it would ruin the surprise. It's like a lot of it's like a lot of pressure. Like it's like oh man. Uh, so, uh, all right, I want to talk about this movie. I like this movie a lot. All right. uh, by the way, if you sign up for Patreon and donate at the three dollar level, we will allow you to pick. One movie sure. per year. Why not? I'll let you pick one movie per month. I don't even care. All right. Uh, so, and until too many people sign up, and then <laughs> then we won't. And uh, we'll watch the movies. You can make us watch a movie. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, let's talk about a movie, a comedy. Oh, this is sad, though. Why is it sad? Because Kevin hasn't seen it. You haven't seen this movie, Kevin? No, you already knew that. Yeah, oh, I thought you watched it already. No, this, that I was our plans. We made. We were going to watch it, and four then you guys bailed in the on me. summer. We were like, "We're gonna do this." All right, that's fine. We'll do I'm it. Take, anyway. I'm taking it back. All okay, right. we can make a sales pitch it to Kevin about right, how much we it. love it. Because go for it. I do not think that knowing about this movie will ruin it. All right, this is a comedy film uh, that features the comics, comic stylings of an um, actor you can see in theaters this week. That is the disaster artist's own James Franco, and the movie is Pineapple Express, my favorite James Franco movie. Uh, Eric. Yes, one give me of my your, favorite give me, movies. Give me, it's also one of my, probably one of my 20 favorite comedy movies of all time. And uh, in, in the very Terry top. Fra- James Franco got nominated for a Golden Globe for this movie. That's that's how you know it's really good. Yeah. Uh, so, so Eric, what's this movie about? All right, so this movie, first of all, if you're going to go with a genre, you're looking comedy. But it's a it's an action comedy, which rarely works. But it, it works very well in this. This movie is about a... a uh, protest server as james franco would call him yeah yeah right <laughs> seth rogan i should say 
he plays a guy who works for the courts who basically he gives you your summons to go to court that you're being sued and you you don't want to you know be accepted he serves you your papers to say you have to go to court and at the beginning of the way they kind of set it up like he uses disguises to try to get people to say like their name he'll be like hey or he'll dress like as a UPS driver and he'll be like hey are you this guy and then the guy will be like yeah I'm that guy because he thinks he's getting a package and then he's like You've just been served. <laughs> you refuse to cut back, cut back the branches on your monkey tree. You've been served. Yeah, so it's that's basically to tell the story of how uh, you know what a good, a great guy at this job Seth Rogen is. Uh, he does like to get high. He's a big fan of smoking pot, as he is in real life. He has a drug dealer named Saul, played by James Franco, who he doesn't want to become friends with a drug dealer. The drug dealer obviously wants a friend, and he kind of gravitates towards Seth Rogen. Yeah, he uh, loves Dale. Like yeah. Dale, the character Dale, that Dale Denton. Dale, the character that Seth Rosen's playing. Like Saul loves him. He wants him to hang out at the house. Like he's like trying to get him to stay longer, even though Dale obviously just wants to go home and like kind of be by himself. But then he lets himself just get talked into whatever whatever Saul's saying. You know, he's like, oh. I got this new new weed. It's called Pineapple Express. He's like he's like oh he's like hands down dopest dope ever smoked. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of great gags there. But so what what happens is uh, Seth Rogen's character Dale Denton says to his drug dealer, he says I need to serve papers today to this guy named Ted Jones, and uh, James Franco reveals like oh that's the name of my drug dealer. Haha, ha, but it's not the same guy. There's a bunch of uh, Ted Jones in the area. Sure enough, it turns out to be like the the head of the the drug cartel in Southern California, wherever they are. Uh, Dale Denton witnesses a murder, and a cop is involved in this murder, so he can't go to the cops. Uh, in a panic, after witnessing it, he speeds off. He throws out the roach that he's smoking, <laughs> and the best one of the best things is Ted Jones picks it up and sees he's a drug dealer. He smells the dope, and he goes. Pineapple Express. <laughs> Which is so funny. It's Which so it's funny. revealed then that uh, he's only sold it to like one guy. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's and it's this guy Red, who's played by Danny McBride, who Saul is like gets most of his drugs. Yeah, from. and he got it, he gave it to Saul, and that's when he's like, yeah, it's it's so rare. It's like killing a unicorn to smoke <laughs> it. And so they're on the run from these drug dealers that are trying to kill them. Uh, the cops are after them because there's a cop involved. It, a lot of rambunctiousness and uh, you know outlandish things happen. I love this movie. Uh, Danny McBride's red is uh, is a, a highlight of every scene he is in, um, with such lines as uh, "I shave my armpits so I'm more aerodynamic when I fight," or "It's my cat's birthday. I'm baking him a cake." And then he said, "Did he like cakes? No, he's a real dick. No, well, actually, jokes on you, asshole. Mr. Funny Man, because uh, he died, and this would have been my cat's birthday, so he's probably." Probably in hell, he was an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> this was right before Damon McBride got really popular, too. It was yeah. right before uh, Eastbound and Down started filming. There, It is a facial hairless Danny McBride. He looks kind of like a man baby because he still has like that kinky, curly mullet. Yeah. It's before Tropic Thunder. It's before uh, Observant Rapport. This or, was when uh, like they this... saw a star in the making and they knew he was going to be big and they brought him into the yeah, fold. They knew this guy was going to be like in every comedy movie forever As after this. like He's been in so many movies since he did this. Um, and yeah, he was before Eastbound. But, but it's so much... It's stupid comedy. I mean, you went over some of the gags. There's the... Um, <laughs> the thing where he's locked himself in the bathroom trying to call the drug dealers and uh Seth Rogen and James Franco are trying to break down the door and he's like, Oh, are you are you gonna pay for it? Are you gonna pay for it? 
Like that's a total thing to do if you know you're you're joking around with your friends. But it's uh, the movie goes in a hundred different directions. You know they're on the lamb. Uh, you don't really know what side Dan McBride is playing because he's just trying to stay alive. Um, what else can we say about this? Uh, oh, uh, the guy who plays Ted Jones, one of the the best character actors out there, I think Gary Cole, which you may remember as Lumberg from Office Space, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Brady in the Brady Bunch movie. He's been in a ton of things. Uh, he is the main villain in this movie, and he plays it perfectly. Yeah, uh, Craig and his, Robinson is in the movie. Yeah, his Craig he, Robinson. Okay, yes. Gary Cole's henchmen are Craig Robinson and Kevin Corgan as Bolovsky and Matheson, and they're so funny in this movie. Some of the things that they are arguing about, like they're basically arguing in the whole movie about how like, uh, but uh, Bolovsky's gone soft. And, he, and Matheson's always like trying to get him to do stuff. And he's Isn't like, the whole thing supposed to be like a like half Pulp Fiction spoof? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's so, so like, um, he's like, Budlowski, you got saw, I saw you tear a, man, a man's throat out of his neck. I seen it. I, I seen you tear a man's jawbone off. I seen it. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's talking about how like he's just like, he's not, he's not what he used to be. Craig Robinson's like all in his business the whole time. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you think you might like this movie and you haven't seen it, just watch the Red Band trailer with Paper Planes. It's like a, it's like an all-time great uh, movie trailer that that gives you like a pretty good picture of what you're in for in the actual movie. Yeah, uh, there's a there's so much in this movie, a lot of action, but not you know, it's not an action movie. It's just like a, it's a funny movie with a lot of action, car chases, um, a lot of different actors show up uh, when he goes to meet his girlfriend's parents. Uh, yeah, Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah. Amanda, Amanda Beard, Amanda Heard, Amanda Heard. She is uh, really Amber po- Heard. Amber yeah, Heard. Yeah. Whatever. I'll get her name right at some point. She's a pretty popular <laughs> actor right now. She will be playing uh, Mira. Uh, she plays it in Justice League. She'll be in the Aquaman movie. Uh, she just got a divorce from Johnny Depp, which means she's super famous. She has a very minor role, but significant and well played as Seth Rogen's girlfriend. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to I think mean, if there's any other people I mean, in this movie. One thing is that David Gordon Green was the director, and David Gordon Green's actually like a pretty uh, good director. Before he had done Pineapple Express, he did All the Real Girls, which is like kind of like one of those. Um, uh, it's like a rom- it's a drama, but it's kind of a cult movie. People it's like it. The Dan McBride's acting debut, and then um, then another thing is he did like Our Brand is Crisis, Stronger. Uh, he's going to do the upcoming Halloween movie. Uh, people really enjoy his stuff. He directed a ton of episodes of Eastbound and Down he, and Vice Principals. Uh, yeah, he's just a good director. Like, even if you don't love this movie, you're gonna at the end of it, you're gonna admit like it's pretty well done. Like, they did a very good job filming this movie. Well, and I'm just looking at the cast here. Uh, some of the people, uh, Rosie Perez is in it. Oh, we haven't talked about Rosie uh, Perez. Ed Bagley. Uh, Ken Jong's in it. Ken Cleo Jong- King. Joe Latruglio's in it. Like, uh, Bill Hader. I, I love Joe Latruglio. Like, there's a lot of really interesting people in here. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Bill Hader's in the very beginning of the movie. That okay? So the movie does start movie, black and white. Yeah, and it's like it's like the 1930s, and there's a bunch of guys in a bunker smoking weed, like uh, army guys and stuff. And then they like are all smoking weed and they're laughing. It's a test. It's a test to see the effects of marijuana then, on people. And then they say some. They say something like, um, "There's like the guy behind a two-way mirror, and he's just like." Uh, he closed the project. And he's like, "Weed's illegal." He just gets super mad. It's it's <laughs> he like stamps a big uh, folder with a big red illegal. I will say that that beginning scene sets up the movie for you know kind of the 
the evilness of weed, but it also sets up to how stupid and funny it's going to be with all the things Bill Heater Bill yeah, says. And I feel like we barely just scratched the surface with all. There's so much more stuff I could say, but I just want to. I'm going to leave some stuff in the. Yeah, I'm trying to not to talk about. I'm going to leave some stuff in the thing. The ending is just nuts, and we haven't talked about it at all. I had you guys over from my house for, for fish tacos. <laughs> this how you going to do me? Just the the part where they're tied where they're tied up, and he's <laughs> they're like <laughs> trying to. <laughs> I just can't even talk about it. I just I think you should just watch it. It's, oh, uh, where they're, he's got this hand tied behind his yeah. back, and they're, he's like rubbing it against the his belt I'm gonna, buckle. I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna save you, man. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, I can hear you. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. There's there's just a lot of quotable things that are really oh, funny. Really? It's a it's a pleasant movie if you like smart and stupid comedy. It's a fun watch. It uh, it made a hundred million dollars and it deserved every dollar. Uh, they always talk about uh, Apato and and all the people that were involved in this movie. Always talk about how they would love to make a sequel. Um, but uh, the homemade pineapple express two and this is the end depicted what they actually thought they would do for the sequel. So um, that they they said that that's it. They're, they're not doing a sequel. That that's, was what we get. That's fine because I don't want a sequel to this movie. I don't think you can improve on it. It ends. It ends kind of perfectly and but, so stupidly. But have you seen the the, the the you've seen this is the end, right? Yes. That yes, Pineapple Express two part is funny. That's yeah, funny, especially stuff. because they cut that MIA song into it again. Yeah. Paper planes and yeah. All Kevin, right. we got. We'll make you watch this movie during break when I'm at yeah, work. Nathan I, I'll I'd make be quite you interested it. in watching. We'll this. Uh, we'll we'll force it on you like Clockwork Orange style. So it'll be it'll be really fun. <laughs> that's, that's I wanted dark. to leave it completely silent after that. All right, so for, a little bit of the ultra violent. For Luigi, I'm Mario. That's Bowser. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks! Ludwig Van. <laughs>